0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I've got just a couple of last things here regarding the Sound of Freedom PSYOP stuff, which I think is w- certainly worth examining slightly here. I'm not going to spend 30 minutes on it like I did the last time. Again, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to the the previous episode for a variety of reasons, but you know, I, I gave my two cents on what I thought was going on and how it all seemed a bit strange. I have a couple of audios that I want to play that sort of further my point, and I'm not the only one that shares this point, which is fantastic, so I'm not alone in this regard. Um, I have a great deal of education-related things as well because there's a lot of things happening right now, again, here in the middle of July, so to speak, that, uh, th- th- that is really telling of the much larger picture, and these schools are struggling. In in many ways, financially and resignations in the middle of summer, which is not uncommon, but it is, uh, it's escalating, I think, certainly where I live, and th- it can't be the only place because I've watched other school board meetings from other places, certainly around the state where I live, and that is the case. Uh, a lot of reshuffling, things of that nature. Same thing with, um, SROs, you know, school resource officers. There's a lot of panic about that because again everybody's believing the fake school shootings and then they respond to the fakery and then they all panic and say, "Well, do we have enough cops around and what are we going to do if we have to share police officers and all this other stuff?" And again, Westerville City Schools around the Columbus, Ohio area has is basically doing that. They're getting together a bunch of police officers from different departments to make sure that there's at least one cop in every school or sometimes two. And uh, where I live, they're having to sh- they're having to share resource officers within a couple of elementary schools. It's just absurd. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. If everybody jumped into action, if something bad really happened, th- there would be less problems and less casualties. But there is a social experiment that goes on with regularity, which is difficult to watch, and it's when people do nothing. When a violent act takes pl- uh, you know is taking place, people grab their cell phones and start filming it instead of leaping into action, and actually helping the individuals who are in danger. So, yeah. Um, But again, they're believing all of the psyops regarding the fake school shootings, and it's beyond pathetic. And they even reference these with regularity, I should say. In these school board meetings, they're consistently saying, well, you know, over the last two years, we've seen some massive school shootings that are really horrible. And yet they've never seen a single drop of blood. Isn't that odd? Isn't it odd? Not a single dead body, not a single drop of blood, and they just watch way too much television. So, yeah, I want to basically mentioned that already, but there's other stuff regarding education that I want to bring up as well. Um, let me see here. I've got some jab-related things specifically too. Um, I should say, in regard to workplace bullying in the nursing profession. Ladies and gentlemen, this has not gone away you know the, all of the stuff that occurred in 2020 2021 2022 you know the nurses strikes uh, being furloughed being fired being taken advantage of all of that is still going on not many people are discussing it but i have some first hand accounts here that i want to read to you later on where again it's happening without a doubt and it's the unjabbed nurses that are the most awake to what's really happening and even the ones that are jabbed and have come around to see the unprofessionalism and the lack of actual scientific proof, with, of course, the influx of all of the jabbed individuals that they work with and then the ones that they don't work with getting sick, that's opening their eyes to what's going on also. So I have a few firsthand accounts that I want to read regarding that too. Um, I also want to spend a little bit of time even though I may put together a substack here this month, about how the American education system, state departments of education, the organizations that they work with, right down to the local level and the little fundraisers that they do, are directly involved with child trafficking. Now, this is probably unwitting, certainly among the kids at the local level who do their bake sales to raise money for Ukraine. But ladies and gentlemen, the dots are on top of each other, they hardly need connecting. And this is happening with regularity. You know, these people do these these virtue signaling activities and they think that they're actually helping children. And in many cases, as I'll say later, it has a lot to do with providing books to Ukrainian children. That we are giving them books because they're displaced and we think that them reading books is the most important thing for them to do, not survival, not the fact that the zelensky uh, regime is remarkably corrupt and a complete criminal child trafficking organization in itself but all of these organizations right down to again the little childhood bake sales that they hold inside of schools to raise money for ukraine that that money is going right into the pockets of child traffickers and they have no proof that it isn't and yet they just keep doing it because they actually believe that the money is going to someone who actually needs it. I'll tell you what, it's just, uh, it's so pathetic how, how so many people have no grasp of, of criminals and evil, and they have no idea how they operate. It's very easy, again, for anybody, for example, to set up a fake GoFundMe page and just steal money from people. And the number of people that will just give into it based on something that isn't even real is astounding. But if their television tells them the same fake story or any fake story, they just willfully believe it. And then before you know it, you've got grade school kids cooking cooking up cookies to raise money to buy books to then send it to Ukrainian children or just send cash straight to Ukraine, which, as I said, goes right into the pockets of criminals so that they can buy cocaine, cigarettes, and uh, have sex with a child. But, you know, keep up the good work, American K-12 schools. So I'll bring that up a little bit later and provide a couple of very uh, basic examples of, of how that's the case. Okay, um, here we go. You heard me make mention a course of sound of freedom and, and how when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking, and everybody's running to it like a moth to a flame. I, of course, went and saw the movie with some family members, as I said in the last episode. I'm going to do my best to not repeat repeat myself here. Uh, I'm just going to jump straight to the audio here. I have two TikTok videos. The first one is from a woman who you have heard before. She's a doctor of something. I'm not sure which. Familiar face. My apologies for, for not knowing her name or forgetting her name, but she has an interesting take on the PSYOP. Of again, going into the movie theater and spending the money and sitting through this ritual of again, watching children be abused in XYZ. And then the second video that I want to play in the audio that you're going to hear has to do with who actually paid for the movie, who funded the movie. And it's not good people. Good people did not fund this movie, which actually lends more evidence as to why Donald Trump did not come out and endorse the movie very early on because he knows who funds the movie. So I'm going to play the female's uh, TikTok video here right now. So give this a listen and listen to her take on this.
1: Sound of Freedom movie. Every time they pull a PSYOP, it's an opportunity for more people to wake up. So let's wake up. Making a movie about child trafficking. Is not going to raise awareness and has nothing to do with that. Know thine enemy. They make revelation of the method films like this as a ritual, as a way of pulling in your energy, pulling on your heartstrings, and making you outraged. This film is a mockery of anyone who's ever been trafficked before. Politicians and Hollywood actors have a blood oath. And they have a soul binding contract that you don't just get out of. You know how many of Maxwell's and Epstein's clients are laughing their asses off at us right now? You just paid them millions of dollars to continue child trafficking. Remember Balenciaga? Yeah, they're still going strong. Sitting in a movie theater, eating popcorn, being ritually traumatized is not going to end trafficking. Now, this idea is implanted into millions of people's subconscious minds and this is how they push their agendas forward. Remember problem reaction solution? Well, what they do is they make you outraged and then you want to go and yell at the politicians and tell them to do something and they're ready with the solutions. And this solution will be about microchipping your children to protect them. Biometric digital identity is what they are after and why they are doing this to you and fooling you into accepting exactly what they want. Learn to discern. When you see something go viral in all the truther communities, just take a step back because nothing goes viral naturally. They want you to know this. They want you to be upset. They want you to be ritually traumatized. And they want you to demand that they act. Ironically, the people who will be asked to take action are the very ones who are doing these crimes. If you really want to make a difference and change things, then go talk to those who have been trafficked before, and they will teach you things. And the other way would be to empower people to step out of the system to know what the New World Order agenda is, and to not comply on any level. And anytime something comes out that is a bleeding heart fantasy, just ignore the ritual. Do not watch it. Do not partake in it. Step back your energy and give your energy where it's needed, to the most high, and that will be your power.
0: A lot of avenues here. There's a lot of avenues I could take this. I, I agree with this. I agree with her. Um again everybody's chomping at the bit here. Everybody's taking the bait. The chum has been thrown in the water and everybody's running around in circles biting at it, making their own posts about it and you know read my social media accounts and look at look at how much I like the movie and then of course all the reaction videos that come after the fact and at the exact same time I saw this too which I frankly thought was a bit interesting is that uh, you know, the theater business, as we know, is crumbling. And yet now, they've just basically caused everybody to, again, bite at the exact same thing and flood the theater business, in particular AMC Theaters, with copious amounts of money. So, AMC Theaters was losing money. Because, let's face it, Only the most brainwashed are still going to the movie theaters, are they not? Can we imagine, again, no offense, but that's kind of the way that it is. Can we imagine a future where there aren't movie theaters and where there aren't movies being made and, you know, all of this propaganda and everything else that's associated with it? Because there really isn't anybody good. Affiliated with these companies and affiliated with these organizations and and this uh, again indoctrination brainwashing apparatus, it's still a screen. You're still watching people tell particular stories, most of which are not real. I mean, did Tim Ballard actually kill anybody? Because in the movie, the implication is that he kills one of these guys at the end of the movie in order to free this girl. Did he actually kill this person or not? It's a movie. You're watching something, again, that is filled with things that are not real. Again, based on a true story. You know, child trafficking is real. We know this. You have to live under a rock to not know this is true, which means when you give your money to these particular things, whether the ticket be given to you or not, you're still giving it your participation and your energy. She has, she has a point. There's no doubt about that. But there's just so much going on here, even from a stock portfolio standpoint. I mean, AMC's stock was plummeting. And as we know, the individual who runs AMC is directly tied to the Clintons. I mean, this is, this is you can't make this up. And so the, pres, the, the CEO of AMC Theaters used to work in the Clinton White House. I mean, I just feel like everybody's being conned on this thing. I, I feel like we've all been tricked. And, uh, and that's why I wasn't very interested in going to see the movie, but I'm glad that I did because it was everything that was in the periphery that I was paying attention to. Again, the signs on the theater doors basically saying, you know, we, we don't want the riffraff in here. When I mean riffraff, more specifically in the last episode when I was talking about that, the theater was filled with black teenagers and black kids. I didn't see any white kids at all. None. Now, yes, it was three thirty in the afternoon on, you know, whatever day that uh, was—a Thursday or a Friday, something along those lines. But it—it was just—it was—it was black kids and black teenagers. Same thing with the employees. the The vast majority were black. This particular movie theater never used to be that way. It was a vast majority white, which begs the question. And it's not necessarily a race thing. I'm simply saying it begs the question. What's the mind frame of the person going into the movie theater these days? Is it the awake person or is it the people who are still brainwashed and dead asleep? Regardless of race. I think it's still the asleep people. And yes, I know I was there and whatever else, but as you know, I'm not brainwashed and I'm fully awake and I I get what's going on. That's why I'm seeing this for, for what I think it really is. And I agree with her take on this. Again, it, I didn't walk out of it thinking like, wow, this is something I've never seen before. Th- that wasn't it. I-, I just I was more concerned with the propaganda PSA commercials before the trailers even started. I mean, that was thick. Super thick. And as you heard me say, I haven't been in the movie theaters in years and years and years and years. And years. Can't even remember last time I went. So I, I-, I just flat out gave it up. But uh, there's that. I want to play this audio, too, because this is who paid for it. You're even going to hear Tim Ballard tell you who paid for it, and then Donald Trump talk about the individual who paid for it and how this person and this family are not good people. But at the very beginning, this is the, you're going to hear a voice of a guy. This is the guy putting uh, the entire thing together on TikTok. So give this a listen.
2: Sound of freedom. That hole just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So to all the truthers that are in denial and choose not to even entertain this topic, to all the lazy people not even willing to even look at the information presented, you stay over there. You sit on the fence. You do what you need to. Let other people continue digging, because when you dig, all you need to see then is who funded this film? Tim Ballard says one name,
1: Carlos Slim.
3: Who's paying for this movie to come about? I think Jim's.
1: Aren't you from the Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> a great
2: group of people have come together um, uh, to, to, to invest in this in this production. Uh, uh, some of them, the, the, the Carlos Slim family, is, is, is involved. i really? uh, from Mexico. J.P. Um, John Paul DeJoria.
3: Uh, Fox has helped distributing it. Really? Fox, Century Fox. And, and for the folks who don't know who uh, Carlos Slim is, uh, tell them who he is. He's, he's
2: um, one of the wealthiest men in the, in, in the world.
1: They are
3: really, really
1: bad people. The largest shareholder in the, the Times is Carlos Slim. Now, Carlos Slim, as you know, comes from Mexico. He's given many millions of dollars to the Clintons and their initiative. So Carlos Slim largest owner of the paper from Mexico. Reporters of the New York Times, they're not journalists. They're corporate lobbyists for Carlos Slim and for Hillary Clinton. We're going to let foreign corporations and their CEOs decide the outcomes of the you just can't do this. We can't let this happen. We are not going to let it happen where they decide the outcome of our elections.
2: They can't do it and we're not going to let it happen. If you look into Carlos Slim, because that's all it takes, just a little looking, comes back to the Clinton Foundation. In fact, he donated millions to him, one of the biggest donors, to the Clintons. So the funder of this film, that Tim Ballard knows quite well, is coming back to the Clinton Foundation. just a coincidence, they say. Come on, people. Let's start awakening to this darkness, because it is. People just sit on the fence. They don't want to know. Get your wallet out. I've said it many times now. That's not helping. What's not helping, though, is then coming after people that are doing their work and then making all these suggestions as well. It's stupid because we want the truth. So Carlos Slim, if you look at also Frank Gustra, who was in the same meeting with the Clinton and Carlos Slim, he's linked with Pizzagate. He was in the emails. This was his company's logo, too. We've seen that before people we have to start being open that we've been lied to on every aspect it's just the fact now it's getting darker and darker with people that we assume are good and that's why it's so hard to take yet this is the great awakening that's how evil works they blend within the shadows we've been told that many times now we've brought them out into light now they're panicking but now the darkness is coming out within us because the cognitive dissonance kicks in now it means something, because no, no, it can't be. This is the world that I've looked. Fortunately, it is. Yeah, if we keep going to endgame, we've won this war. We're in full control. The world's going to change completely, but we have to go through this. We have to see it all. Pay attention now.
0: If AMC theaters didn't want the movie playing in their movie theaters, they wouldn't have the movie in their movie theaters. If AMC wants a movie in their movie theaters, they'll put it in, in their movie theaters, and they're not doing it because they're good people. They're not doing it because, you know, they, uh, they're they on the side of humanity, and, and they're on the side of good. They're a company who's run by horrible, horrible people, and yet... They have it in their movie theater, and they're making money on this singular movie, Hand Over Fist. Why? Because they're losing copious amounts of money on everything else. But they need a nice little influx so that they can take that money, stick it right back into their pockets, and do whatever they want with it. And again, what are they doing with that money? We know what they're doing with that money, and it's not good. Again, I agree with him. I agree with the gal before him. This is the problem. We're we're still participating in this and we're still funding this uh this criminal organization. Doesn't matter how good the message may be. We're we're still funding it. And we have to look for all of the avenues where we need to not fund it and then stop funding it. The streaming services, you know, going to the theater, wasting our time on the bread and circus bullshit, all of that. All of it. It's absolutely nuts. But it just keeps going, and it isn't gonna it isn't gonna stop until people just stop. I, I personally can't wait for a time when cable television ceases to exist. I mean, I can't wait for a time when bread and circus and sports ceases to exist, and when movie theaters cease to exist, and when K twelve schools cease to exist. I'm an abolitionist. Yes, does that mean people will lose their jobs? Of course but think of what they could be doing to make this nation better. Think of what they could be spending their time on to make this nation a better place for all of us to live in that is free of crime, free of indoctrination, free of the lying and the brainwashing, all of it. And as we all know, I should say, because I'm not alone in this regard either, we all know that when you put down a particular habit, that's a bad one, or you stop watching a particular thing or putting your money toward a particular thing, you find that you have time for something else. Heaven forbid, you pick up a book instead, or you listen to an audio book instead, something nonfiction, hopefully, whatever it may be. Uh, You know, you work outside, you you help something grow, whatever it is, but you're putting your, your effort into something that matters more, even your own children. I mean, you've heard me rail on this constantly. You pull your children out of the American public school system, you're forced to do what? You're forced to pay attention more to your children. You're forced to teach them more, have more one-on-one interactions, heaven forbid, have serious conversations about serious things around a dinner table where everybody's sitting around eating the same thing. There was a time when that was commonplace in America, and there was a time when, again, again, People didn't run to the movie theaters to escape for a few hours and, uh, and be ritualized into watching something that, frankly, isn't new. I just felt like from the very start we were being duped, which is why I was watching all of these social media posts where everybody's running toward it and clamoring for it. You have to go see this, and you have to do this. I thought to myself, wait a minute. It's just like a fake school shooting. How on earth could a tranny go into a Nashville school and shoot up the place? Oh my gosh, those poor kids. Are they going to do anything about protecting Christian kids? And all these arguments that take place when in fact, if you look a little deeper, it didn't happen. Same thing with the sound of freedom stuff. So there you go. I have a feeling that as time goes on, more is going to come out about this, but yeah, it uh, it's an odd one, but It's not good, because the people behind it are not good. And like I said in the last episode, Jim Caviezel, okay, is an actor. He's an actor. He is not Jesus Christ. He played Jesus Christ in a movie. He's not Jesus Christ. So, just because Jim Caviezel starts talking doesn't mean we all have to go, everybody, shh, be quiet. Jim Caviezel's talking. I think, you know, we would do better to just say, okay, Jim, thanks for the overacting in a in a basic interview where, you know, cameras aren't rolling, just cool your jets and take it easy. Again, I'm not doubting that the man has done good things. He certainly has. I personally remember seeing him in the movie The Thin Red Line. I thought he was excellent in that movie. And if again, if you want to watch a movie about the absurdity of war and how no one wins, I would recommend watching a thin red line. A lot of weird actors in that movie. It's almost everybody you could possibly imagine is in that movie from an acting standpoint. I mean, Travolta, Nick Nolte, Woody Harrelson, uh, Sean Penn, Thomas Jane, a bunch of people are in that movie. But either way, um, his performance in that was great, but he's an actor. That's the whole point. I don't think Jesus Christ was an actor. So, yeah, there you go. Okay, moving on. No more about uh, Sound of Freedom. couple of things here, again, just geopolitically real quick, two particular stories, and then I want to dive into education. Of course, there was this last week, which was huge, and it, of course, had to do with uh, a Missouri lawsuit, if I'm getting this correct. Federal judge struck down uh, Joe Biden's attempt to basically deny people the First Amendment, and as it turns out... um. The Biden administration has attempted to halt a preliminary injunction for this historic First Amendment case, and this is also tied with uh, the Gateway Pundit, as Jim Hoft is a plaintiff. Again, I'm not a fan of Jim Hoft for a variety of reasons, but either way, the point is, is that they were attempting to appeal or are appealing or something along those lines, a ruling where a judge said, you don't get to infringe on people's free speech, and they said, oh, no, yes, we do. That's massive. I mean, that is a big, big deal. So I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not going to dive into it too deeply, but it, it's a huge deal. I mean, they are openly saying, we want to control what you say, what you type, what you write. And, uh, and we, have, we have the right to do that. And if a judge says we don't, will we're going to disagree with that judge and we're going to try again. That's a problem. Our enemy is consistently exposing themselves to us, and uh, it's always worth paying attention to. Speaking of our enemy, we have the state of Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. Not the good people who live there, of course, but uh, their politicians are absolute numbskulls. This comes from uh, news.gab.com. It is titled, Michigan is Passing Hate Speech Laws. Don't use the wrong pronouns or else. This was from July 9th says a recent bill passed by the Michigan State House has ignited a contentious debate surrounding the first amendment and the criminalization of intimidation quote unquote on the topic of gender identity it says here that the bill which would elevate such actions to the level of a felony specifically targets quote disrespectful acts such as intentional misgendering quote unquote the legislation also aims to expand Michigan's existing ethnic intimidation law enacted in 1988 by granting prosecutors greater authority to address acts of vandalism targeted at places of worship. Oh, wow. Can't you just see the false flags just running in and all the all the synagogues are going to get all of those fake swastikas painted on there by somebody that doesn't exist except for the fact that the person who probably does it happens to attend the synagogue? Can you see this all happening yet again? This is nuts. It says the Michigan bill secured a 59 to 50 vote in the Michigan House. Republican State Representative Steve Kara voiced concerns about the potential ramifications of the expansion, particularly in relation to free speech. No kidding. Uh, It says while acknowledging the importance of combating actual threats, violence and crime, Uh, Kara or Kara, however you pronounce it, expressed unease about constructing legislation solely based on an individual's feelings of fear. Yes, because this means that any student who is misgendered in school can then sue or have another teacher be charged with a felony because they don't want to call them a guy because they are an actual guy, but they actually believe that they are a female or they're playing pretend. And if you don't play pretend with them, well, then you're a felon. You talk about clogging up the entire legal system with this pretend nonsense. It's so exhausting. Kara uh, maintained that he would not have supported the bill regardless of any proposed compromises. He called for the bill to be scrapped, asserting that it was unnecessary for the state of Michigan. And it just goes on and on and on, but I think you get it. Uh, That was written by Andrew Torba. So there you go. Dana Nessel. She, God, she looks like the devil, doesn't she? She just looks like one of the devil's little beady-eyed, I don't know, winged demons. She is just an ugly, ugly woman and belongs in jail in my humble opinion. Okay. Education related stuff, there's a great deal here. Lots of comments, a little bit of audio as well. First of all, there's this story just to revisit very quickly. You may recall the University of Cincinnati student who went on TikTok and was describing how their professor gave them a zero on a project or a paper because they used the term biological woman in the assignment. Well, as it turns out, that professor was being reprimanded because apparently they're just an adjunct. So basically they have no say in anything and they can be fired at the drop of a hat. But uh, they were supposed to receive some First Amendment training and things along those lines. As it turns out, the University of Cincinnati has now rescinded the reprimand for the professor who was accused of failing the student who used the term biological woman in the assignment. And as you would expect, this, uh, this female adjunct professor looks like a psycho. Her name is Melanie Nipper, gender studies professor, and that's about all you need to know to stay away. Uh, again, <laughs> I have to tell you, why on earth parents send their children to these universities today is, is beyond me. I do not get it. I just don't get it. You're sending them to a circus and expecting them to not run into an elephant. I mean, do you expect him to go to a circus and not hear a clown, you know, uh, honk a honk a clown horn and and walk around in shoes? I mean, honest to Christ. This person again, you know, it's it's just a circus. I don't know what else to say. It says University of Cincinnati is now backtracking and has reversed its reprimand. It says, "Please note, quote this was what uh, the initial this is what the initial story was rather regarding the reprimand it says please note that this is to be considered a formal reprimand for your actions a copy of this letter will be placed in your permanent records the university told nipper according to the june 14th document obtained by the inquirer quote It is also understood that any other violation of UC policy may be subject to further disciplinary actions up to and including termination. And you are reminded that as an unrepresented, unclassified at-will employee, which means an adjunct, your employment may be terminated with or without cause. If they don't like the look on your face as an adjunct, they can fire you. Uh, it says, in addition to completing training about UC's free speech policy, she must also submit her future syllabi for upcoming school year. Uh, yeah, for up- the approval of the upcoming school year. It then says uh, later on that Nipper's reprimand will be removed from her personnel file. Nipper is still required to complete training about the university's free speech policy and submit a syllabus to her department head. So, yeah, there's, you know, it's a slap on the wrist. That's about it. She still has to do the training. Great. Uh, She was clearly publicly embarrassed. And and here's the real general point, and then I'm going to move on here. You've heard me say this time and time again. It's not the crime that the university or the K-12 school or the district or whatever education entity it is, it's not the crime that they are concerned with. It's the fact that they got caught. They're only concerned with the fact that they got caught. They engage in crimes like this and uh, First Amendment violations and this kind of insanity on a day-in, day-out basis across the nation constantly. This is not a new thing. They're just embarrassed that they got caught. So they have no problem taking the individual who was stupid enough to get caught, throwing them under the bus for five minutes, getting some dirt on their knees, and then yanking them out underneath that bus, and then saving them because again, only the crazy protect the crazy. If they had logical thinking, morally sound people who worked in the university, which they don't, they would throw this person to the wolves and make sure that these kinds of people never came back. But they don't do that. They protect their own by and large because again, they have to be equitable and they have to be diverse and inclusive and all this other horse shit that uh, makes morally sound people, well, look more morally sound, and it just makes the crazy people look more crazy. So, there you go. Moving on. I have a piece of audio here from uh, Grassroots Army on YouTube regarding a school board speech that was given by an employee of the school district, a school teacher, and they're talking about professional development, quote-unquote, that they received in the spring. Of this year, I assume. And as you'll hear them say, they specifically bring up the fact that they were told within this professional development, which again has a lot to do with queer theory and DEI and SEL and all that other bullshit, that the school district and the school are not going back to the way that things were before 2020. Now, you've heard me bring this up in the past, and I've played audio on this show a long time ago. And it was actually a giant piece of audio. It was, if I'm not mistaken, a Zoom call from a particular guy that Vanessa Hurst even threw my way. And this is where I first heard about it. But, well, I, I didn't first hear about the agenda, but I first heard it coming from the mouth of one of the horses involved. He was essentially saying that, again, the whole great reset and all of that stuff had to do also with the education business. And this guy was involved on the, on the nefarious end of all of it specifically, again, having to do with the Marxist agenda, which, as we know, is satanic and Jewish and all of that. It's the Kazarian Mafia infiltration of all of their perversions, and they aren't going back. The American K-12 school environment will be this way from here on out, no matter what, even if patriot-minded parents who are morally sound attempt to take back their school boards, quote-unquote, you still cannot get rid of the riffraff that exists within the school environments. You can't. You're going to have a legal battle on your, on, on your, on your hands here, the likes of which you can't imagine as, as, a, as a patriot-minded school board member. These ticks are too well dug in. They are dug in within every school environment because they are brainwashed. They do not know what they are doing because they are the useful idiots of the Marxist agenda. And blinding someone from the truth, as we know, is a satanic agenda. That's Satan himself. These people cannot be saved. I really don't believe that they can. Leaving the business and then looking at what they did while they were in the business might save them, but... Too many of these people are far too left, and they're far too gone. I'm going to play this audio. You're going to hear her describe the words of these individuals that were involved with this professional development, and then the second person who speaks is coming up to the lectern, and he's a male, and he ends up, again, sort of finishing uh, comments from someone else who was apparently speaking in the board meeting, and anyway, you'll get the gist of the entire message here because... These school board members don't care. They are the ones also pushing this D-E-I-S-E-L. We all need to be equitable and blah, blah, blah. They're the ones pushing this. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to go away. This is a permanent fixture now in American K-12 schools. It happens at the charter school level. It happens in private schools as well. I mean, you have to be very selective as to what kind of private quote-unquote Catholic school you are finding uh, in order to send your children to if you're even going to do that. The homeschooling environment with morally sound parents is the safest place. I emphasize morally sound because we do know that there are endless homeschooling environments that are going full gay agenda with their children in a homeschooling environment, and clearly, those are not safe places either. But, This is what this woman says about her professional development, so give this a listen.
4: I am a resident of Maple Grove and I'm sharing a letter on behalf of an Osseo Schools Elementary staff member. This spring, I was required to attend a department training called Creating Gender Inclusive Schools. The training began with a statement made by a staff member that included the statement, no matter what the pushback, we are not going back regarding the gender inclusion approach in our district. Some of the things that were presented by the Welcoming Schools group included the following. We were instructed to discuss our definition of gender. I immediately felt uncomfortable because I had a feeling that if I gave the definition of gender that I agree with, I would be labeled as judgmental because the first agreement given for the meeting that night was to replace judgment with curiosity. There would be no time for me to explain further that I care about everyone, even when I disagree with their belief system. We were given the definition of gender according to this speaker. Gender is determined by time and space, boy, girl, a blend of both or neither, none of which were based on biology. A statement was also made that because of white supremacy, gender expansiveness has been suppressed. But now because of the media, students feel free to express themselves. Hearing the mindset that exists at the upper level of our school district showed me that as a staff member, I am being pressured to teach concepts in direct conflict with my beliefs, which are not in alignment with that perspective of gender. Most concerning from this presentation was the depiction of a gender snow person. The head represents gender identity, what you know yourself to be. The middle represents sexual orientation, whom you love or are attracted to. The speaker said that for our youngest learners, we can use the words romantically attracted to if the word sexual is going to be a problem and that even preschoolers know the difference between love for a mom or dad and love for someone else. The bottom of the snow person represents the sex assigned at birth, boy, girl, or intersex. It was stated that all of these are non-binary. He also said, yes, we are going to talk about this with young students. This is disturbing to be talking about romantic relationships with kids who are as young as preschool, not what the schools are intended for. The next topic was pronouns. The presenter started by telling us that some people are now using all the pronouns. We were told that this is not a big deal, that students feel safer at school than at home. He referenced a Google form that students could complete where they would indicate the pronouns and name that they want to be called at school and the pronoun or name to use with their parents. Is this allowed without parents' knowledge? Regardless, is it now our job to keep secrets? Why are we undermining the family and the influence of parents and or guardians? Thank you.
3: My name is John Gap, and I'm a Maple Grove resident and an Osseo school dad, sharing the second half of the letter previously read from a district member. We were told there that using our pronouns makes us a safe person, and we should ask, what pronouns do you use? What happens if, as a staff member, choose not to include my pronouns in email or introductions or do not agree with asking students this question? We were told we need to become fluent in this, in speaking the language of talking about kids of all genders because here in our school, everyone gets to tell their own story. Is this really true? Do we all get to tell our story? Do I have the freedom to, without repercussions to discuss my personal views with students and staff in the school? I don't think so. I wonder about the people we serve in our schools who hold non-judgment care and concern for all people, yet will not affirm these beliefs. I wonder how many students will feel like I do, uncomfortable speaking up because our views of gender and sexuality do not fit this new definition. As a staff member, I am being told that if we do not affirm these choices, we are labeled as hateful and judgmental. This presentation truly impacted me in a negative way. Not only does the content come into direct conflict with my personal beliefs, but I am also concerned about the damage it will have on children in our schools. What about the family's trust in us when they send their kids to school? In my opinion, elementary teachers should model and teach what it means to be respectful, kind, a good student, and a good friend. We should teach how to get along with one another and work together as a team. We care deeply about the well being of each and every student and are tasked with teaching a solid foundation of reading, writing, and math. It is a complex job that does not need the added burden of discussing gender and sexual identity. In addition, why should children be exposed to these ideas at a young age from someone other than their parents? Even our family life curriculum has an opt-out option. Where's the opt-out option for the items described in the LGBTQIA history and culture resolution? I am baffled why... Osseo area district or Osseo area schools is putting significant time and resources into this topic. Approximately 50% of our students are not proficient in reading, and the same is true for math. Our focus should be on improving instruction so that each and every student leaves our schools with reading, writing, and math skills they need to achieve their dreams. District leaders should be looking closely at the schools where our students are making aggressive growth in these areas and spend time and energy and money necessary to further these efforts rather than planning the next move to spread LGBTQIA messages. Thank you.
0: The people in the crowd applauded at the end of both of, their, uh, both of their talks there. I hope that you hear that and you hear what they're saying. And it's just exhausting because that's how you should feel. You should just you know be hanging your head a little bit and just going, good God, does it ever end? Will this ever stop? And the answer is yes, it will. Only if you leave, though. It will only stop when you leave. The reason I play these also is to keep you well-informed that this isn't going away, number one. Number two, it's not going to go away. Number three, and this could be the most important part, it's hardening the resolve of the parents who have pulled their children out of these school districts. It's making them look like geniuses because they are. It's the homeschooling family that is hearing that and saying, thank God, we don't have to participate in that anymore. They probably did at some point, whether they knew it or not. I mean, they were sending their children to environments that were doing this kind of thing. But the relief that they have to feel as homeschooling parents, knowing that their children are old enough to read and write and teach themselves, that they don't have to deal with this kind of ritualistic abuse anymore because that's what it is it's sexual abuse and it's being pushed on adults who are working in these environments and they don't want to do it either many of them don't certainly the most morally sound and knowledgeable don't but this is this is a constant this is not going away they're not going to back away from this it's too embedded it exists within the department of education state departments of education at the state level all the way down to the local level, which brings in the more serious accusation, and it's a fact, as a matter of fact, that has to do with how these educational organizations and environments are directly involved with child trafficking. Allow me to read this first, because this will lead us right into it. This was in Tennessee just the other day and I'm just going to read the entire headline here. This had to do with a soccer coach. You've probably heard of this. This is titled, uh, I forgive me, I don't have the, uh, the link to this, but it was bouncing around just about everywhere. Videos of unconscious boys, rapes, were found on a phone left at a restaurant police say. The Underscored title is, or subtitle, authorities in Tennessee say that they found evidence of sexual assaults on 10 boys on the phone of Camillo Herdado Campos, a popular soccer coach in Franklin. He is in custody. Franklin, Tennessee is a very wealthy area of Tennessee by and large. Uh, Again, this was July 9th. So the story says, it says, quote, videos of the rapes of 10 unconscious boys were found on the cell phones of a Tennessee soccer coach after he left it behind in a restaurant, police said, Sunday. Camillo Herdado Campos, 56, was booked on allegations of child rape and sexual exploitation of a minor, the Franklin Police Department said in a statement. They continued here, and they said he continued to be held Sunday on a $525,000 bond, police Lieutenant Charles Warner said. It's not clear whether Campos has legal counsel, and the local public defender didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Police described Campos as a popular soccer coach and a 20-year resident of Franklin, a city of about 87,000 people, 20 miles south of Nashville. He used the job to lure boys to his home, where he allegedly attacked them, police said. Quote, during off hours, Campos frequently nearby, sorry, frequented nearby school playgrounds in both neighborhoods where he had lived, where he approached kids and recruited them as players on his team. Right, because that's not suspicious. You know, just roaming around a schoolyard, asking kids if they want to be on a soccer team, for the love of God. Where are the parents? Um, That's what the police said, and then said, quote, After gaining their trust, Campos invited many of the kids to his home where he drugged and then raped them. The allegations came in light after workers at the restaurant found a cell phone someone left behind and were able to search through it in an attempt to contact its owner, police said. They discovered unconscious videos, I'm sorry, unconscionable videos, that's better, uh, the police department said, and contacted police who traced it to the suspect. Detectives combing through videos and photos on the phone saw ten victims, two of whom had been identified with the help of local schools, the police department said. And I'm sure it goes on and on, but the article ends there. Uh... You, you cannot say again that the grooming behaviors do not exist within or around American K-12 schools and university settings. They certainly do. Again, Larry Nasser, the old uh, women's gymnastics coach, same thing. He was just stabbed a bunch in prison because he's doing multiple life sentences or whatever. I wish they were a little more accurate with their they're They're stabbing thrusts because he'd be dead by now, but either way um, you you cannot say that these that these school districts are not absolute buffoons when it comes to not securing their environments from predators, both inside and outside of their environments. They are everywhere, and the parents for the love of God the blind trust that parents have in coach. In in coaches of, of, of any sex, again, whether they be a female coach uh, coaching female players or a male coach coaching female players or any other way you can slice it, the blind trust that parents have regarding handing their children over to such coaches or even paying them or, again, uh, supervising them during particular practices or whatever, you, you have no idea what the motivation is of these said coaches. Not a clue. Well, they've been around for a long time and, and that by default means that I should trust them. Okay. If that's your measuring stick, you need to get another one because that's not good enough. Now, again, that leads me to this, which again is is certainly could be dedicated to its own episode in a, in a lengthy substack, and, and I may do that on the, on the American Classroom substack here going forward, but this is not new R- regarding, again, child trafficking and supporting child trafficking initiatives, even though they are not sold to the school environments as being child trafficking initiatives. So let's do our best to sort of look at all of the elements of this in the much larger picture. What do we know already? We know that sexual crimes occur within American K 12 schools and university settings. This is a fact. It happens every single year in most school districts all across the United States on a day in, day out, year in, year out basis. We know this. We know that the American K 12 schools and university settings also engage in fundraisers that are politically motivated, would not exist if they weren't politically motivated by something that is in the news and on the old TV from time to time, or is the latest flavor of the month when it comes to a news story, so then they get engaged because they, again, have taught these children and these environments and the people who run them that schools and universities are places where political activism has to take place. What people don't know, and certainly they are unaware of, is that the vast majority of the so-called political activism or the activist causes are criminal enterprises. They don't know this. They can't even comprehend this. Their TV doesn't lie to them, ladies and gentlemen. These are the kinds of people we're talking about. They think that their television tells them the truth all of the time, and that's the way that it goes. Now you enter in the Ukrainian element of all of this, and again, this happens right here in America. So we don't need the Ukrainian element to prove this point, but I'm going to use it because, again, it's it's been the flavor of the last couple of years. And uh, all of the information and, and intelligence that has come out of Ukraine clearly describes it as being a Zionist-controlled satanic playground for child trafficking, human sacrifice, organ harvesting, uh, bioweapons labs and, and drug m- manufacturing and distribution, prostitution, you name it. This is a fact. Now, you would think that an American K 12 school district would want to distance themselves from such activities, but they aren't viewing it like that. This is how brainwashed they are. They view the Ukrainian people and the narrative that's being sold on their TV. As Ukraine being the victim in an invasion by Russia, and therefore, we as a school district need to raise money to help them because, well, they have schools too, and they have children there too. And again, one of their inroads, which I mentioned earlier, is reading. They use the inroad of books and reading as a way to have a fundraiser to then send money to them so that they can buy books, under the promise of them actually buying books. Now, if you live in a war-torn country that's run by criminals and has all of those criminal elements that I just described, are buying books going to be at the top of your list of things to buy when you're given a, a stack of cash? Even if you see that cash, which they won't, as innocent citizens in a globalist satanic war, are they actually going to spend that money on books? The answer, of course, is no. They're going to spend it on food, clothing, or they're going to spend it on all of the other nefarious elements that I just mentioned, prostitution, child trafficking, drugs, etc., etc., very quickly, though, I want to mention this, too, because this is making the rounds on the news also, and it's, it's being largely ignored. There were military individuals for our military who were, of course, caught trafficking humans and trafficking children, if not having sex with them. That was a recent story as well. There are also police departments who are taking in all of these illegals and these children, and they're doing the exact same thing with them. Police officers having sex with these kids, police officers in the United States having sex with these refugees, et cetera, et cetera. Refugees, sorry. I didn't mean that. You know, Ill- illegal aliens, you get what I'm saying. Our own quote unquote law enforcement officials are, are also engaged in this and, and always have. If they can be engaged in such things, so can the American K 12 and university education system because they all are tied together. They all work with one another on a constant basis. So I kind of want to go up the ladder here when it comes to um, the, sort of the chain of command, I'll call it, but certainly an order of operations from the most local to the larger apparatus which exists, which I would, I would assume is the university level, because there's a great deal of colleges and universities that, of course, donate to Ukraine. And there is a Ukrainian connection that is, that is this thread that runs through all of these education organizations. And again, right down to your local American K-12 school. So here's the first one. I'm, again, I'm just taking this from the local level. I'm running it right through education organizations, and I'm going to stop at the American uh, university level regarding donations for Ukraine. This is Wells Middle School and this is the Brewster Central School District. Now, Brewster Central School District is a school district in New York, New York State, and they are in Brewster, New York. Um, I'm not sure exactly where that's located. I don't think it's anywhere near the city of New York, but the point is this is just one of them. If this one school In this one school district, can do this, ladies and gentlemen. This can happen anywhere, and it is happening lots of places. So here's what the uh, the particular article says on their own website. Again, Brewster, New York, the Brewster Central School District, Wells Middle School. It says works together to raise money for Ukraine. They have a picture of one, two, three, four, five girls. Sorry, (laughs) five students and 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 one male. Um, these are middle school students, okay? These are the kinds of people that Ukrainian child traffickers would love to traffic if they could. So the irony is palpable that you're actually using brainwashed school students to advocate for something that they themselves would be the victim of if they were directly involved, but they are funding it with their participation and their donations. It says the following here. By the way, there's lots of names in this. There's no way I pronounced them correctly. It says community service is when people come together and work for a single cause. Henry H. Wells Middle School Assistant Principal Alicia Maguso said to an auditorium full of eighth graders during a recent grade level meeting. This, of course, was this last year. It says that's something that we did together as a school, and I think it's really important to celebrate it. When you are kind to others or do good things for other people, it is contagious. Now imagine hearing this as a staff member and as a student. My question is, did no one stand up and look at that person and say, what you're advocating for here is crime. You're advocating for the trafficking of children. Not a single person spoke up, and therein lies the problem. This should tell you how deep the brainwashing goes. It continues, it says, Wells had just completed a month-long effort to raise for the people of Ukraine that united clubs and classes from across the school and raised $2,400. The leadership club spearheaded spearheaded a raffle that included 60 donations from student staff and other clubs. Raffle prizes ranged from gift cards to special lunches with teachers to student-made baked goods and a chance to pie a teacher, John Gregero, in the face. The old pie the teacher, the old dunk tank kind of thing. Let's humiliate one another in this humiliation ritual while we're raising money to send to a criminal organization so that they can murder people. That's really what they're doing here, and they have no clue. That's the seriousness of this. That is, again, the depth of the brainwashing here. Unfortunately, the article continues, and I do want to read this in its entirety. Uh, it's not very long, though. It continues here. It says, in addition to the raffles, Tom Solomine's students made chocolate-covered pretzels and sold them during lunch, while the National Junior Honor Society sold smensels. If you're unfamiliar with what a smencil is, my understanding is it's a pencil that smells. That's right, because we're trying to keep kids from, you know, not sniffing markers, but as long as we have scented pencils, then, you know, that, that uh, alleviates the problem, so they think. It says, the Kindness Club, with two Ks, made yellow and blue ribbons for students and staff. Student government and Irene Otmer's art class made posters that say, Wells Stands with Ukraine. On Fridays, the entire school wore the colors of the Ukrainian flag. There you go. Because when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. Quote, It has to be a school-wide endeavor that students are very excited about, said Marissa Gragano, co-advisor of the Leadership Club. Students worked to secure some of the raffle prizes, creating baskets together as clubs, reaching out to local businesses and donating things on their own. Ava D. Bendetto, who went to a local pizza place to ask for a donation, realized she could also contribute prizes during a leadership meeting. Quote, We are talking about donations, she said, and I thought I could make scrunchies. There you go, honest to God, honest to God, the stupidity and and the and the games associated with this nonsense. Ava ended up donating both a set of hair scrunchies and a handmade painting. Jalen Morales was one of the students who helped to sell raffle tickets during lunch. "Quote: It was easy to sell the tickets," he said. "Kids would see them at lunch one day and come back the next day with money." The school's joint efforts helped to raise an incredible $2,400 with $1,200 donated to the Red Cross and $1,200 donated to UNICEF. So it didn't go to Ukraine. Half of it went to the Red Cross, and half of it went to UNICEF. Globalist organizations that are known for stealing money and trafficking children. My question remains Who tells the school district officials that this is what they're supporting? Who tells them this? Is everyone in that town brain dead? Does no one understand that this is not the job of a school? But ladies and gentlemen, it has become the job of the school. This is your political activism at play here. It continues. It just keeps going. Quote, we really come together as a school community to make sure that we are helping others. Maguso said during the grade level meeting, quote, that's something that's really important. It's something that we all want to you all to leave here with, unquote. Good Lord. Uh, let's see. Maguso said that the district's strategic coherence plan, or SCP skills, and how schools' efforts incorporated every one of them. Oh, get ready for this quote. She said the following, All of the work that was done through the school-wide effort for the people of Ukraine demonstrated our SCP skills, she said. There was collaboration and communication between clubs recognizing that there are people in need and wanting to help. That's part of civic responsibility. I would argue differently and say no. Your, your civic responsibility has to understand with, or, or deal with, rather, your understanding of what you're doing. And they have no understanding nor grasp of what they're actually doing. It says you used, or she said, you used critical thinking to figure out how we were going to be able to raise money in a fun way that would motivate people to participate. You were adaptable. Some students gave up parts of their day in order to work the tables. And this took about a month from start to finish. It takes perseverance to see something through. Unquote. And that's the end of the article. They wasted a month on this to donate $1,200 to the Red Cross and $1,200 to UNICEF. And here's another picture. With all their buckets and all their raffle tickets and all this other nonsense and all these parents and school members, employees that are participating, it's beyond disgusting. They have no idea what they've just done. Not a flipping clue, which means no one in that building is teaching them the truth about what they're really doing and what's really going on. They have no idea. Now that stretches to this. Here's another school. The Richfield, or Richfield rather, Dual Language School. Here's a whole YouTube video of them describing what they did. This is about a minute and 50 seconds long. Give this a listen.
4: 500. After campaigning for seats on student council, I didn't think I'd win, but I ended up winning and it's fun. Fifth graders Allison,
1: Alessandra, and Eliana made another persuasive speech at school. We end up doing a um, coin drive for the whole school and they could help um ukraine and those families in need
4: like we can have three meals a day um they most likely cannot basically what's a little of our money when they don't have any on monday they collected pennies tuesday nickels wednesday dimes thursday quarters
1: and then friday dollar bills we had jars in each class we had to count, like, oh, yeah. all the coins every day. They also accepted online donations. The class that had more points would actually get a prize for it. They won a uh,
4: movie day with pajamas and popcorn. In one week, they raised $7,500, which will now go to Care International an organization
1: supporting Ukrainian refugees. It makes me feel really good about like um uh, our community, this school. It's not surprising families were willing to give. This is a dual language school. We do like to think of ourselves as a global community. Sarah Egberg is student council advisor. We really develop in the students an understanding that what we do here in the United States affects people all around the world. And I think our students have just another level of that understanding. In Richfield, if you have a chance to help families, help them in need. Kaya
4: Edwards, Carol 11 <laughs> News. You know, they will always remember that. Isn't that sweet that they. That just, yeah, absolutely now? filled my bucket. That was so nice to see those kids, you know, doing some. I mean, just remembering uh, other people and other kids in other countries. That's wonderful. I know, I love that lesson. Good
1: lesson.
0: It sure filled up my bucket. I know that. It filled up my puke bucket. Ladies and gentlemen, in that video, You can see one of the girls raising all these coins, okay? She's clearly being groomed to be a lesbian. I mean, her haircut gives her away. These children being weaponized, though, the weaponization of children to be used in these political movements that at the very end of it include, again, child trafficking, organ harvesting, sexual mutilation, and copious amounts of other things. If they knew the truth, they wouldn't do it. And the hypocrisy knows no bounds when it comes to these school officials wanting to help people in foreign countries that they've never met and don't even know. And they, again, think they're helping them when, when of course, we know that they aren't. But yet they have a very serious problem helping the people who live in their own town. If they gave a damn about anybody, Shouldn't it be the people in their own town who are homeless, don't have clothes, don't have food, things of that nature, regardless of age, if they can raise 7000 and change in a week, and that other school it took them a month to raise $2,400, if they can do it in that one school, that one dinky little dual language school, that amount of money in one week, why aren't they helping the people locally? Well, we like to think globally, and we like to just, you know, think that we're a global organization, and that's what we like to think that we do. That's why you started hearing that phrase any number of years ago. It could have been, shit, uh, 15 years ago, maybe, if not longer than that. Think globally, act locally. Sorry, I was going to say globally. Think globally, act locally. That catchphrase found its way into almost every education organization and then filtered right down into university and K-12 settings on a constant basis. It was brainwashing. Think globally, act locally. What in the hell does that mean? It means we want you to do what the global entity and the globalists want you to do. If they say do this at the global level, then that means you need to be doing that at the local level. But not in this case, of course. They've misinterpreted the propaganda phrase. They think that what it really means in this particular case is siphon money out of the people locally to give it to globalists so it goes right into their pockets so that they can engage in as many crimes as humanly possible, in particular crimes against children. I'm telling you what, it's Bolshevism. There's no way around it. This is another Bolshevik tactic. You've heard me harp on this constantly. It is is a perfect example of Bolshevism. You're weaponizing the child to engage in a politically motivated activity for which they know nothing about No one's really critically thinking about any of this. That's beyond evident, as unfortunately the last uh, school official in the previous school from that article I just read seemed to think that all these kids are just thinking critically. No, they're not. No, they aren't. They're just doing what they're told because it's not a school-related thing. They're not having to do homework. They're not having to read a book. They're being told and taught to be an activist for a political organization that just so happens to murder people, children in particular. Their own people, too, I might add. The Zelensky government is killing his own people, for fun. But thank God for the scrunchies and the chocolate-covered pretzels, because where in the hell would we be? Where would we be if we didn't have more bake sales to fund human trafficking? These people disgust me. This is just another reason to never participate in any of these environments and pull them out. When you send your children to these environments, that's what you're doing. You're giving, you're giving the environment the opportunity to continue to exist, which means as long as they keep existing, they're going to keep doing things like this. Your participation, anyone's participation at the K-12 or university level today, has a direct impact on the criminal behavior of endless people around the world. I know it's a leap. I know that sounds like a giant leap. But Sean, I'm just an art teacher. All I do is, you know, I do this. Or all I do is just teach first grade math. Leave me alone. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You work for the machine, and the machine cannot operate without any participants. If there isn't stupid oil in the machine to grease the wheels, then the wheels won't turn and the machine will stop working. And that's what has to happen going forward here. Now, let me mention a couple of other organizations. I'm going to bring this again to to the even higher level, right up again into the college and university environment. I've brought this up before. This particular organization shouldn't shock you. The American Library Association, the ALA. On their website, they have a giant red and blue banner, Ukraine Library Relief Fund. This is disgusting. It says the ALA has raised $25,000 for the Ukrainian library community. Thanks for your generous support from hundreds of donors. ALA has sent $25,000 to the Ukrainian Library Association, the ULA. The Ukrainian Library Association expresses our sincere gratitude to the American Library Association and American library community for the unity and support of Ukraine and Ukrainian librarians. Rather, says the funds are being used under the title program, We Work for Victory to do the two following things. And ladies and gentlemen, these are not happening. Restart their work, fulfill restoration and preservation of libraries that suffered as a result of hostilities or actions of Russians occupying of Russian occupying forces and administrations, including repair work, purchase of equipment, replenishment of book collections and other resources. That's not where the money is going. The second bullet point, develop and provide services to internally displaced persons, IDPs, war veterans, and those who study online, etc. No, the money's not going to that either. It's going right into the pockets of people who traffic children, run drugs, etc., etc. The list is endless. It says ULA has distributed $15,000 so far, $1,500 to nine libraries, and $1,500 towards supporting individual library workers who have suffered from Russian invasion, including IDPs, internally displaced persons, sick or wounded or who temporarily do not receive salaries due to martial law. The other $10,000 will be provided to other libraries soon. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? What is $1,500 going to do for nine libraries? Nothing. And what will $1,500 do to people who are sick, wounded, or don't have a home? Absolutely nothing. It will do nothing. It's beyond disgusting. It goes on and on, it's way more detailed. They list the They list the alleged libraries and you know, they tell these ridiculous, contrived stories. Bombs destroyed this library and took out the uh, psychology section, and so we're going to replenish the books in the psychology section because the missile hit right there, and blah blah blah. It's nuts. Here's another organization that's directly involved in child trafficking, SaveTheChildren.org. You've heard of this, I'm sure. And they have a child swinging on a swing set uh, on, their, on their page. Help us reach children who are, mo- who are missing out most. We work in the hardest-to-reach places where it's tough to be a child. You work in places where it's tough to find a child because you're trafficking them. So they have a bunch of bullet points where you can read more, learn more, donate. The first one, of course, is Ukraine. Families forced to flee amidst conflict, crisis, and devastation. And they have a couple of people, a a man, or I'm sorry, a a little girl and and a woman, sitting next to each other and looking dramatic into the camera. Give money to Sudan, because trust me, it will go there. Uh, Join to help give books in the, U- uh, in the U.S., books, healthy food, and more, blah, blah, blah. And then, under their news and featured stories, their first story is about child trafficking. It's titled, Child Trafficking Myth Versus Fact. And then it just keeps going on and on and on. Address the climate crisis, and then you're not going to believe this. The last one is, support a brighter future for girls. Are you ready? Here it comes. Warner Brothers Pictures, Movie Barbie, and Save the Children are partnering on a global girls' empowerment initiative helping to provide hundreds of thousands of girls the learning resources and support they need to make their dreams a reality. The movie Barbie, which as we know is 100% self-absorbed... um vain behavior along with body image uh stuff and a thousand other things it, you know it, i mean the rabbit hole on that is just it's insane i've written chapters in books about it so it's it's not uh it it goes without saying here but these particular organizations try to make themselves look like they're trendy and like they are in the know and they they would never harm a single soul they wouldn't hurt a fly which is why they have to have articles about child trafficking on their website to make it sound as if they're aware of it and they're doing whatever they can to solve the problem. But when in fact you pay people like SaveTheChildren.org, that's all you're giving them money for. They're pocketing the money to traffic children because trafficking children is profitable. It's more profitable than practically anything else. It's right up there with organ harvesting. Same thing. Then there's this. Colleges and universities. This is from collegevaluesonline.com. Last updated at the beginning of this month. It is titled, 30 Colleges Supporting the Ukrainian People. I'm going to read them off here. It's absolutely disgusting. Here we go. Number 30. Middlebury College, number 29, Indiana University, 28, Lehigh University, 27, University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign, 26, Mount St. Joseph University, 25, University of Connecticut, 24, University of the People, which is all online, 23, University State, I'm sorry, uh, Louisiana State University is number 23, 22, University of Pennsylvania, 21, Princeton University, 20, the University of Kansas, 19, Columbia University, 18, Pennsylvania State University, 17, Georgia Institute of Technology, 16, Santa Monica College, 15, Texas A&M University, 14, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, 13, Bard College, 12, Yale University, 11, Harvard University, 10, Yeshiva University, 9, Cornell University, 8, University of Michigan, 7, University at Buffalo, the State University of New York, 6, Michigan State University, 5, the University of Chicago, 4, Biola University, 3, Stanford University, 2, Brown University, and ladies and gentlemen, can you guess what the number one university for Ukrainian donations is in the United States of America. It's a university, I'll give you a few hints. It's a university that is the harbinger of endless political criminals in the United States of America. It's where they all go to teach, quote-unquote, when they leave politics or leave the medical field. And it's consistently, again, brought up on my show, and you'll see it in headlines numerous other places. Drumroll, please. Georgetown University. These are criminal organizations. They are directly engaging in child trafficking. You could take them all down with the RICO statute. Not a lawyer, like to pretend sometimes, but in a perfect world, they could all be brought down at the same time, Because they're all engaging in the same thing. We will know we are winning this war when these institutions cease to exist. That's when we know we are winning. And as long as these large-name universities continue to exist, I'm telling you, uh, we're we're not winning right now, and we're not winning at this level yet. It's not happening. So I want to bring that to your attention. And in summary, on that particular subject, there is no doubt that American schools and the American K-12 and university school system, along with all of the organizations that affiliate with such schools and such educational institutions, quote unquote, are raising money to traffic children, period. Now I'm going to move on to some jab-related things here, and there's a great deal to get to in another discussion that I want to have. This is going to be a long episode, so my apologies if uh, you know, you're having to dip in, dip out, or you're just not listening anymore. Either way, the local university where I live, Miami University, I've, I've spent a great deal of time talking about them and all of the visual observations that I've made over the last few years in particular regarding, of course, their enrollment and what they're doing. What they're doing now is, is they're openly stating that they are raising the tuition for new incoming students. That's right. The same university that killed off copious amounts of students with their mandatory jabbing, so they thought, and their mask wearing and everything else, along with all of their professors who are now unionized because, you know, that was part of it too, was to create a larger union to filter more money into that criminal organization as a result of the whole COVID hoax, but now they're raising the cost of tuition among incoming students because no one is coming here. Which begs the question, how stupid do you have to be to attend a university that's killed off copious amounts of people? Clearly has no students on campus whatsoever. It's dead empty even when they are in session. And now you actually think you're going to get more people showing up because you're raising tuition for incoming students? I mean, prion disease is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the, these people are jabbed and clearly not thinking clearly. So that's happening, and it's it, it can't possibly just be Miami University. It's not that big a school. It has to be. Almost every college and university across the board has to be raising tuition for incoming students. They're even doing it on the branch campuses, and there's at least two branch campuses that exist, if not more than that. I know there's one in Luxembourg, at least there used to be, Um, Westchester, Middletown, and Hamilton, all in Butler County. And Miami University is the largest employer in Butler County, and they bring in the most money of any workplace. It's it's beyond astounding. I, I, I don't see them existing in the future. I just don't. And I hope they don't. It already looks like a mental institution. I mean, you know, it, it theoretically is right now, but at least if it turned into a real mental institution in the future, uh, hopefully, you know, they would uh, increase the police force to make sure that the crazy people didn't escape. And, uh, you know, start killing us town folk who uh, have our heads on straight. Anyway, okay. Just wanted to bring that uh, to everyone's attention as well. Now, um, let me mention this before I get into these posts about about nurses and the workplace and the workplace bullying that continues to exist. I want to mention this just briefly. This is from Natural, uh, Natural News at the end of June, and it was titled Synergistic Pairing, of ivermectin and fenben- fenbendazole uh, found highly effective at preventing and treating cancer. I've been over this at length before, how uh, the combination of the two seems to work, and it certainly helps fight off prion disease along with the use of uh sertin and uh, copious amounts of other things like natokinase. Anyway, that's what the article basically discusses. And there are numerous peer-reviewed articles, which I even have on my website, which again specifically discuss the use of ivermectin when it comes to eliminating abnormal cells in the body, which as we know, are cancer cells. The same is true, of course, with fenbendazole. And you can acquire both of these easily, which allows me to actually just open up this, this brief comment, which I've mentioned numerous times before, and it's going to lead into something I'm going to read right here, which is, uh, it's food for thought. It's very rumory and very story, uh, you know, fairy taleish. But it's certainly food for thought nonetheless. And then that will lead into something else I'm going to bring up, which is very real. Um, r- right now is an excellent time, I think, for everybody to be reminded that it's a great idea to acquire these 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 uh, over the counter drugs that you can again purchase online. Uh, at relatively very little cost and then make sure that you have all of the other things in place within your home in order to uh treat yourself if you were to become sick like the nebulizers you know 2% grade hydrogen peroxide distilled water mixing that 50-50 in a nebulizer breathing if you if you become ill all the all the necessary supplements and and nutrients on hand and again the Hydroxychloroquine uh, compound, of course, that you can make from the rinds of fruit, and looking up those recipes online, and, and cooking that, and and harvesting that in you know in in plastic or jar containers, um, and and freezing it for when you want to consume that, and and things of that nature. Again, I fully understand that everybody, you know, some people listening to this are like, "Shut up, Sean! You know, I'm healthy and I eat right and 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 don't drink poison and and I'm fine all the time." I agree with you, and that's great. Uh, that that doesn't mean that we are free from being shed on when we are around other people. So now I think is a is as good a time as any to just continue to acquire those things if you don't have them already. Review your inventory of things and make sure that you have those in place uh, in the future. Because again, as as much as I hate to say it, fall is right around the corner, and that's going to usher in. I believe to be, not fear-mongering here, I'm just telling the truth, I think what we're going to see is going to be the largest rollout of the flu shot that we have ever seen in our entire lives. So much so that I wouldn't be surprised if they roll out more than one flu shot. That they actually coerce individuals into getting two and they start pushing the double flu shot agenda. Now we know what's in the flu shots. It's going to be The nanoparticle technology that is designed to kill us. That will be in there. These people will be walking around. These people will be shedding on people. They will get on airplanes. They will make people sick. This is going to happen. The electromagnetic frequency from person to person who is, again, one person jabbed to another person who is jabbed, or someone who is not jabbed to a person, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, a person who is jabbed to a person who is not jabbed that's going to be that's going to be massive and it's coming so buckle up for that here's here's why i say that here's a piece of audio from just the other day from an australian news outlet talking about the australian population's quote unquote high flu rate now as we know there's no such thing as the flu there are only people who have compromised immune systems from being jabbed with God knows what, including the COVID shots. And now they're calling all of this the flu. And they're saying that these are flu symptoms. So it begs the question, where's COVID going? That's a post I'm going to read here in just a minute, but give this audio a listen from this Australian news outlet.
4: Nearly 7,000 flu cases in the last reporting period. That's a more than 30% increase on the week before and an uptick for every age group. Health experts are most worried about school-aged children who made up about half of all emergency department presentations for flu-like illnesses. That's because the type of flu circulating most right now, influenza B, tends to be more severe in young people. Since May 16th, children have been admitted to intensive care, some needing heart-lung bypass machines. It really is palpable the concern that clinicians have had.
1: That's, That's what really motivated us to come out today, is the fact that the clinicians have really seen this rise in cases. They've been particularly distressed because they've been previously healthy children,
4: in New South Wales, five to 16 year olds don't qualify for free flu jabs, and most haven't had one. Families are being advised to get up to date on vaccinations before the school holidays come to an end.
0: Now, right now in Australia, it's their winter time. And uh, as we all know, because Earth is a spinning ball, everybody who lives in Australia is upside down. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous ball earth. Give me a break. So anyway, uh that's happening there. And that's the way that they're spinning that. They're spinning it by basically saying, flu shots aren't free. School children don't have them. School children are getting sick. You can see them building the demand. They're building the panic and building the demand that they need them in these children. Many of these children, of course, are COVID jabbed, So they're done for uh but on top of that with the rollout of what is going to be again in the united states in my humble opinion the largest push for flu shots that we have ever seen i think everybody needs to buckle up on this one it's going to it's going to wipe out copious amounts of people you are going to see illness in schools close so well yeah let, let me mention the school connection and just go down that that off ramp for a minute Will the masks come back? Probably. There will probably be people still wearing them. They they may make them optional. I'm sure in some places they'll make them mandatory and say they're mandated again even though that's not what mandate means. Um we know that American K-12 schools and university settings will jab students on the spot and jab staff members on the spot in the buildings themselves. You've heard me mention too that numerous schools have hospitals and urgent care centers that have now been erected on their campuses or very close to their campuses they're going to be working hand in hand with these people as a school entity the the one room schoolhouse is dead and gone ladies and gentlemen it does not exist it is now corporatized into being connected to the medical industry to kill everybody who works within and inhabits that environment The flu shots will roll out in these environments. People will fall sick. People will get dead. This will happen. This will be a thing. School board members will push the flu shot. We recommend everybody get their flu shot. That's what the gay superintendent in the town where I live would say. I just highly recommend that everybody get your flu shot because we're seeing a lot of flu cases. Now, what you're seeing is AIDS. You're seeing people who have AIDS completely ripped DNA that will never be repaired. And they're going to jab themselves to death. They're just going to keep doing it. I think we're going to see school closures in the future here also as a result of all of this this jab injury. We're going to see all of this on a grand scale. I mean, I know it's exhausting, and you're hearing this on this show on a year-in, year-out basis now, but I'm telling you, you can you can pinpoint in a school year the times that things are happening now because it's too obvious it's just like a prom night dumpster baby on prom night it's the same thing you can pinpoint when these events are going to happen when the illness is going to take place and 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 what the rationalization is going to be as an organization It's just going to continue to happen here. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, because again, in my humble opinion, in the United States, we're going to see the largest rollout of flu shots that we've ever seen ever. That's just my two cents. Now, let me read this. This is a post that a listener of the show sent me, and I've read posts like this before on the show, one in particular, which sounded very familiar. And I have to tell you, you know, the intro to these these stories, and this looks like it came from Godlike Productions. So I'm very familiar with that website. It's a chat board. But the posts that start off with uh, somebody typing in and saying things like, you know, I was, I was drinking with this really rich guy for this major organization, and uh, he spilled the beans and told us what, what, what lies ahead with the vax and the dying and the depopulation. You know, he has family members who are associated with it and blah, blah, blah. And then they run through this giant scenario of of what's likely to happen. If memory serves, one of the last posts I read that went sort of in the same kind of vein was a post about, excuse me, I'm belching. It was a post about a, uh, a guy describing, again, it was that same scenario. I went out with a, you know, I was partying with this guy, he got super drunk and he spilled the beans. And, and it had to do with how all of this is, is manufactured, all this crises is manufactured to not just depopulate, but to um, usher in the, the one world government, which isn't news to anybody. And that ultimately, that's, that's the idea, that some people are going to be in control of others, and the ones who survive will have the opportunity to either join or they'll have the opportunity to basically be wiped out. So that, that'll be the choice that they'll have. It was rather vague, but either way, that was an old post I read from a long time ago. Here's this post. Take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's just one of those things where you can keep it in the back of your head and say, you know, and, and just sort of remember it basically if you want. And then uh, if the media runs with this story, you know, then they run with it in the future. And, and they might. They very well might. Me personally, I think it's going to be the flu shot rollout this person has a different take on a new COVID strain. So here's, uh, here's how they titled it. It's titled, quote, so I did coke with an elite, quote unquote, and they loose lipped it big time. Okay. S- standard introduction. Again, hard to believe, but either way, here's what it says. It says, quote, they were inebriated And nearly about to pass out. Son of an ultra-high net worth individual. He wasn't very coherent until after a line. Then says, I'm going to tell you some fucked up shit, man. Takeaways from his further slurred barrage of weirdness. Uh, The first point is this. The vax is a depopulation tool. We don't need a coked up elite person to tell us that. We know that already. They then said, the MRNA vax has always been about programmable humans, getting needles in arms to rewrite human biology. We're aware of that, too. Uh, They said this, after booster 4, something called IgG4 is permanently active. I am no scientist, but can remember IgG4 because my dog's name is Iggy. Okay? He says it's like allergy shots, but for the COVID spike. It tells your body there is nothing wrong with the COVID spike and to leave it alone. He says if you look into it, you will see this is already known. The next point they stated is the stage is now set. He says over 3 billion people now have adequate levels of IgG4, and the final phase is close. He said those in the know call it the process, quote unquote. It is to reduce the human population by 5 billion, 3 billion from IgG4 programming, and 2 billion from the fallout of the 3 billion deaths. He said late 2023, the new and final COVID strain will be released. This strain will have over 90% fatality, but only to those who have IgG4 in their bodies. They will mount no immune response to the deadly strain. Unvaxed, like him, will basically have a mild cold. He then said the process will do a full psychological warfare media blitz, claiming the vax has caused IgG4 and anyone vaxed has a 90% chance of dying from this strain. They will claim all governments knew and misled their people, It will be designed to cause mass panic and turn all citizens against their governments. This will ensure cities burn during the viral outbreak and emergency services are non-existent. Billions will die. They said, my friends, I've never sobered up so fast in all my life. I left the party somewhat stunned. Who could make this up? Unquote. Well, first of all, lots of people can make it up. Second of all, it sounds very similar to a previous post I read years ago that went in that exact same vein, that it was designed, again, to usher in a government response or even to wipe out government as a result of frustration, anger, etc., so that the global government could take over. Um, Putting all of that post aside for a minute, I think... Paying attention and just having the IgG4 thing, if that's even real, and I don't know if it is or not, having that in your head going forward and seeing what the media says about it is going to be interesting. We know that the strains don't exist for COVID. There's no such thing. What we do know is that there are compromised immune systems. And the only thing that's going to continue to compromise an immune system, whether it's compromised or not, is more shots and more drugs and more poison. More flu shots are going to be the thing that they might end up calling another COVID strain. Bunch of people take flu shots, bunch of people get sick, bunch of people die, and then they'll say, well, it's clearly a new COVID strain. That's quite possible. If you throw the flu element into it, the flu shot element into the, into this scenario, which reads like a fiction uh, fairy tale, Um that's that's plausible beyond a doubt, plausible, so burning cities and 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 destroying our own government um you know, I don't know about any of that. I just think that more people are likely to get sick this upcoming this upcoming year because they're going to push the flu shot hard, and yes, there will be a lot of people who do not participate, but my God, ladies and gentlemen, there are going to be copious amounts of people who participate. There's no doubt about that. There are not enough awake people. I just don't think that there are. So that leads me to this, and I'm going to conclude with this. I mentioned it earlier; said I was going to bring it up, and of course, it's a big part of the show here. So I'm going to bring it up now. Um, I have a lot of posts here from Great Awakening specifically regarding what's going on in hospitals, what nurses are seeing, what they're experiencing, and what other people were commenting on. Again. I like the website because if you get into the comments section, you start to see what real people are really experiencing. It's very difficult to make up these these specific stories that some individuals have. We're not talking about the old, I was hanging out with an elite while I was coked out of my mind, and they and they spilled the beans and told me everything. These are nurses talking about what they're experiencing and what they're seeing, and along with other individuals talking about, again, what their family members are experiencing and so on and so on. So. I have a thread here, a lot, of it, a lot of individual comments that I want to read, but this first story is not connected to the others, but it sort of stands alone as, as a turbo cancer story, and I want to read this first, and here's what it says. It is titled, The Anecdotal Personal Case for the COVID Jab Causing Cancer and Why I Believe It to be 100% True. Now, first of all, we know that this is 100% true. Um, you know, there's, there's no questioning this anymore this is beyond evident they said the following quote i have posted here multiple times asking for prayers to this point the prayers have all been answered my brother is in remission from stage 3 colorectal cancer my special needs son is no longer diabetic after a sudden diagnosis of likely type 1 with no previous symptoms i believe a medication he was taking caused diabetes i removed him from the med and the diabetes disappeared and no, my son wasn't jabbed. They said the power of prayer works. God is with us and loves us. This is not the purpose of my post, but I must bear witness to what I have lived and what I have seen. I will try to keep this short. A wall of text is not my mission. They said the following, My brother was diagnosed with cancer in August of 2022. He had symptoms of colon cancer in December of 2021. He got the J&J jab in April, May of 2021. He got COVID in December 21. Soon after, getting COVID, he experienced blood in his stool. I thought the combo of the jab and COVID infection caused his cancer, but I could not be sure and did not discuss it with him. Today, I had some old friends over for a swim and cookout. My friend of 30 years said his wife couldn't come. She's trying to avoid germs as she battles breast cancer. I did not bring up the jab, even though I know he and his wife got it. I simply prayed for her. Soon after he arrived, he told me that he believed the vaccine did this to her. She has a highly aggressive form of breast cancer and is uncommon. Then he said to me that they got COVID for the first time back in November of 2022. I'm sorry, November of uh, 22. Yeah. She was diagnosed with cancer in January of 23. All of a sudden it hit me. I understand people get cancer well before COVID and the jab. But the fact that both of these people in my tight circle of friends and family got cancer just after the jab, but after getting the jab and then getting COVID, well, I refuse to believe this is a coincidence as well. I believe that the COVID jab is the primer then the contradiction, I'm sorry, contraction rather, of COVID itself sets off the reaction with the jab that causes the cancer. Please pray for my friend's wife and continued prayers for my brother. This is starting to get real scary. I don't know what to do or how to help. I feel spreading awareness is the only way I can have an effect on the situation, unquote. Yep. Correct. There's nothing I can add to that. I've been over it at length. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I'm just not one to believe the 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 placebo stuff. The you know the placebo take is um I understand it's plausible as a as an as a scenario, but if individuals believed they received a placebo, there's no way they'd know that. It's just a matter of time, I think. But here, here's the post that I wanted to, to really bring up, and this again has to do with the nursing profession and then reactions from numerous individuals, including other nurses. This was titled "Vaccine Injuries with Young Adults." A very short post here. They said quote, "I'm a registered nurse. Tonight, I feel overwhelmed by the amount of illness and anxiety among our 20- and 30-year-olds. heartbreaking. Not all are blue-haired, nose-piercing liberals, although many are. But what I don't understand, how the heck could these parents think it was okay not only to vaccinate them, but twice? Holy moly. So tired of hearing about the great reset, it's absurd, it's evil and effing exhausting damn. Unquote. And then here were some responses to that. And there are many, and they uh they are th- they will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the range of of action that numerous people took throughout this entire process here when it comes to saving their own lives and sacrificing everything that they have and own just to stay alive. These are the kinds of people that I would I would love to fight side by side with right to the death. Here's the first post from, uh, again, a responder to that last one I just read. They said, quote, I left a $135-an-hour job four days before the get-it-or-be-fired timer dinged. Lost my house. Now I live in a 26-foot trailer, moving freight for $16.50 an hour and eat soup out of a can. Sucks, but I stand by my choice. And then two people responded to that post. They said, I lived in an RV for a couple of years. Bills, including car payment and groceries, were $800 a month. Felt like freedom to me. Didn't have a wife and a bunch of kids, though. You're a badass for doing that, they replied. And then this other person responded and wrote this, quote, I'm about to lose my job as a registered nurse, 20-plus years in healthcare, because I express my disapproval of the scandemic and clot shot at work daily. I was able to get religious exemption, so I was able to stay. Being, uh, been going through workplace harassment since, and I'm most certain it's due to the fact that I am voicing my opinions about the vax. I stand by my morals. There are many closet Democrats that work in healthcare. Ninety percent of nurses are Democrats, if not more. Same goes for doctors, and a great majority of those are atheists. My doctor said I need to, quote, learn how to work in the gray area, unquote. I can't. It's black or white for me. So cashed in all of my 401s, as well as my wife's. Paying some crap off and going to get a part-time job if I work at all. Y'all, I could say I'm done prayers needed, unquote. And that brings up the point that I wanted to mention earlier, again, that I alluded to earlier. The workplace bullying, ladies and gentlemen, in in the healthcare profession, that was the beginning, middle, and end of, of all of it. Every workplace was engaging in workplace bullying, harassment, coercion, intimidation, and breaking their own codes of conduct when it came to making sure that the environment was a safe place to work for everybody. They violated all of it. The laws that were broken were endless. But this right here again, this proves that even the most awake nurses are being tortured within the working environment because they're working around the brain dead. The vast majority of the nurses and doctors that still work in these environments are jabbed to the bone. And if they aren't jabbed to the bone, they're working around people who are and that division is known among everybody who works in those environments. They all know who's jabbed and who isn't. The jabbed people getting sick are looking at the unjabbed people and hating them for the fact that they are not jabbed. They're envious and jealous. And you have to assume, too, that many of them Certainly some of them have woken up to the mistake that they have made, the life-altering mistake, and they're coming to grips with the fact that they have made this mistake, and hopefully they're relying on the unjabbed nurses to tell them what to do and how to get this poison out of them, which as we know you can't really do. You can just minimize some of the, uh, at, at, I would say, at-face value effects of it as best as possible, but there's really no way of, of managing the entire thing. Here are more responses and posts to that initial nurse post that I read earlier. They said, quote, we are seeing the same thing in the military. You want a really fucked up situation? Forced me to choose between providing for my family or getting shot. I didn't want nor that I believe is safe. Another person responded to them and said, I know a single mom, two young kids, uh, Uh, a great paying career, lost her great paying career rather over the vax. That is bravery, courage, and faith. Then another person responded to the nurse up top and said, I recently visited my parents in India. They were watching a local popular TV show and my mom pointed out to one of the young actors and said he passed away recently, quote unquote. A few minutes later, another actor, middle-aged, appeared and she said, him too, quote unquote. In another TV show, yet another healthy actor who had passed away recently. A year ago, it was a struggle to explain to them why they shouldn't take a booster. Luckily, both of my parents and my, my brother managed to survive without a booster, and they all understand the situation completely. Once I showed them the trailer for Sound of Freedom and explained to them what the movie is about, my dad finally understood the answer for the question he keeps asking, quote, how can the whole world go along with these criminal lies, Unquote. Another person responded, um, let me see here. This was, this was actually the same person from previously, but it's a different response. They said, yep, registered nurse here, seeing the same thing in my hospital. Took care of patient on Friday who was in his mid-30s. Ex-vet and ex-police officer. Muscular and not overweight. Not vaxxed. Admitted for hypertensive crisis leading to uh, syncope and LOC, loss of consciousness, multiple times. Not diabetic, but said he did have COVID last year. No history of comorbidities. Said he had been through a cardiac stress test on a treadmill and now EGD and colonoscopy. All negative for any abnormal conditions and would elevate blood pressure. That would elevate blood pressure, rather. They said cardiologists had been telling him his heart is fine. Next step was for a heart cath. He said he feels like the doctors are trying not to find out what's wrong. I'll repeat that. They said that that the patient said, quote, the docs are trying not to find out what's wrong, unquote. They continued and said, I have had several patients say this to me since the scandemic was over. Uh, You used to get that from patients every now and then, but now a lot more patients feel this way. Then he tells me that three of his male buddies that were COVID-vaxxed to keep their jobs have had to have aortic valve replacements within the last year. Two were in early 30s and one was in his late 30s. If what he was saying is true, this isn't normal, nor will it ever be, unquote. It just continues. I mean, it it does not, uh, it doesn't end here. Here's another post, another response. They said, I know many to 20, 30 year olds that badgered their elder loved ones and everyone they came into contact with and even dragged their children to get it their vax status and the status of everyone around them was the only thing they could think about and talk about i saw welcome mats for sale that rather than saying welcome they said quote have you been vaccinated i know parents that refuse to let their young kids see their cousins because because they were jabbed it's not anxiety it's remorse and then they wrote edited to add and actually cheered for the unjabbed to be locked up pushed I'm sorry, punished, and being forcibly injected. Stood silent while their friends and co-workers were forced from their jobs. Don't forget that, ever, unquote. That's 100% true. Remember, Remember that we were the ones that they were making fun of. We were the ones that they were attacking, and we stood our ground the entire time. We didn't budge. Three last posts here, three final posts, again, to that initial post also, and other responses to what other people were saying. Um, this person responded to that previous nurse, and they said, that's very interesting, quote, the docs are trying not to find out what's wrong. They said, I wonder what kind of responsibility an ER doctor or any doctor has for misdiagnosing heart disease. I know someone who just died from from an aortic dissection. Which I just learned about registered nurse here also uh he went on to the e r twice in two days because of back pain. I don't know if it really even mattered, probably was a dead man walking as soon as that fear happened, or I'm sorry, as as soon as that tear happened, and then the nurse responded to that nurse and says, "Yes, it's very interesting indeed. I think the docs have the answers to all our questions when it comes to this topic. Um, they said the suicide rate for docs just before COVID hit was 30%. You definitely have to wonder why. Some docs have confi- confided to me that they know it was a demic, but not very many. I can count them on one hand. And then one last post, they said the most powerful practice a healthcare professional can do for their patients is to see them well. When you see them well, then you are not drained or worn down you will be energized by love as a nurse you have a lot of power to help people see themselves whole and healthy it takes practice it takes practice though because every training we've had is to focus on what's wrong note that this works for patients to see their children as whole and perfect you can do this for family and friends you can do this for our country and the world. Unquote. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the fight goes on. There's no doubt about it. Just keep all of these jabbed and unjabbed individuals everywhere uh, in your thoughts without a doubt. And again, the workplace bullying element of this cannot be understated. Um, I would love to have Kim Carter back on again. I've, you know, I've invited her numerous times. I know she's very, very busy, and now she drives even further from from Dayton to Cincinnati to be a nurse in Cincinnati while living in Dayton. But um, maybe I can get her on here in the future and, and see what she's specifically seeing. But as long as she keeps texting me and telling me what's going on, I'm going to keep bringing this information to you. But either way, all of those posts were from win. And once you get inside of the comments section, that's where a lot of the real juice is. That's where you see a lot of people sharing a whole lot of stories and sharing a whole lot of solutions as well. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.